If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. They've got everything you need to know about the listing itself. But even better, they've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools. And their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. Homes.com collaboration tools make it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information, all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework. When it comes to your finances, go for the credit card that's always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We're talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Welcome to the Jill on Money podcast. It is Friday, February 12th. And ladies and gentlemen, it is the opening day of tax season. Yeah, I'm so happy. It's finally here. Delayed a couple of weeks, by the way. Kind of interesting. I'm not sure why that was. They said it was because of the late stimulus uh, deal in December. If you need some help navigating this tax season, hop onto the website, jillonmoney.com. Click on the read tab and you'll see my February 5th post, Back to Basics, Tax Season Opens. There are some really important things to remember about this. And if you didn't catch our episode last weekend with Ed Slot then I tell you, go back, listen to that so you know what's what. All right, let's get to your questions. As always, we love to hear from you. Please send us your questions. Ask Jill at jillonmoney.com. Let's see, that's what Kayla did, who says that I am 64 divorced, one son who's married and established, and she writes, yeah, own my own home, value of about $540,000, no mortgage. Expenses, 50 grand a year. I own a business which has basically been reduced by 80%. Oh my God, since COVID. I have received the pandemic unemployment assistant benefits and I'm grateful they expanded to self-employed people. And I've been successful at trading stocks to make up most of the difference to meet my expenses. How about that, Mark? Hmm. Okay, my plan was to work the business for another three years or so, at least until I got to my full retirement age of 66 and four months before I claim social security. That is no longer feasible. I think it will be at least two years before I could rebuild the business. Okay. Here's the current portfolio. $700,000. Most of that 530,000 is retirement. And uh, of that retirement money, most of it's in traditional retirement stuff. So whether it's a, an IRA or a solo 401k, these are usually the, these are the traditional, just 40,000 in Roth. Okay. The big question is, does she convert? I don't think it's a bad idea to convert. I think that um, you can convert as much as you want. I would do it 
you know, up until a tax bracket that makes sense. I'm not sure that why you said that you're going to have to start Social Security next year. Is that because you're not going to have enough income? I'm not sure. So it's be interesting. The long story short on this is, should you convert if you can afford to do so? Yes, but you're going to have to pay some taxes that are due from your non-retirement portfolio. So make sure that you have that cash that's available and you can do it in, you know, sort of slowly but surely up to that 24% tax bracket or maybe 22, depending on what your other income is going to be. I mean, I think it's a good idea, mostly because you plan to move to a place where you would have a worse tax situation than where you live now don't drain all of the money that is in your non-retirement assets. Leave yourself some some leeway. Don't forget you're going to have to pay taxes on that trading portfolio. So Mark wants to re- me to remind you a very good point that there's no limitation on conversions, but every time you do a conversion, a new five-year window starts on when you can access the money that has been converted. So the Roth has a five-year window. So you got to leave yourself some room there. And, you know, you don't have to do every single dollar also. So that's another thing to remember. You can also take, you might want to withdraw at the end. Maybe you'll want to just withdraw the money, pay the tax and not even convert it. Just have that money available to you. That's another thing to consider. Okay. Uh, Susan turned 70 last spring, lost her job in the fall, applied for unemployment assistance, haven't received a determination. Hmm. That stinks. Uh, You're going to have to be a squeaky wheel on that. I'm sorry to say. Two questions. Sold the home for $960,000 in November, paid off the mortgage, purchased a condo. The balance was invested in condo upgrades. Home sold was purchased for 185000 in 1992. What should I do about capital gains tax for 2020? I think you're going to have to pay it, my friend. So here's how it works, Susan. If you are single, you can exclude $250,000 of your gain. So if you bought it for one eighty five, dollars what you do is you take one eighty five, and then you calculate how much money you put into the house, not decorating, but real improvements. So maybe since 1992, it's a long time. Maybe you put in $200,000. Let's just pretend that's the case. Okay. So now instead of having a basis of 185, you could say, I have a basis of 385. Got it. You sell it for 960 and then you have your capital gains. What you are allowed to do is exclude $250,000 of that gain from taxes. Then you got to pay the government. And that is called long-term capital gains. For last year, I don't know what your actual income was, but if your income was between, say, forty dollars and $440,000 and you're single, you're going to pay a 15% capital gains, okay? But you got to calculate how much money you put into it. The second question, condo needs more updates. What is with these people selling their houses and spending more in their retirement places, Mark? Makes me nuts. Okay. I'd like to do the updates now with my 401k money, about $120,000, and live on Social Security mortgage-free. Anything I should do to limit my 2021 tax liability? Yeah. Don't pull money out of your 401k account. She says, 
condo needs more updates. Would like to do those now with my 401k money. Not much, about 120000 Is that the only money you have? Is that the only retirement money you have? Do you have any other assets? Because pulling money out of this account will create a tax liability for you that's big and it drains your liquidity. This is a bad idea or all around. I'm not into this plan at all. So no, I don't think that's a good idea. Marie says, I want to retire in three years. I'll be 55. Marie's at Fidelity. Uh, she says, where they advise 60 stocks, 40 bonds. They really advising? Or maybe that's where the portfolio... Anyway, 65% of the portfolio is in a Roth IRA, 401k, um, and then 20% in non-retirement in stocks, the remaining 10% in cash. It's all with Fidelity. I've just heard of bond replacements from a fiduciary advisor. Would you suggest I look into a fiduciary to do better than the Fidelity model or what am I doing now? Thank you, Marie. Mark, I don't know what to, how to answer this except to say, Marie, you need some. You need to figure out whether you can really afford to retire. That's number one. Or as my friend Michael Goodman likes to say, it's not retirement. You're funding your unemployment for another 35 years. Do you have enough money to do that? That's number one. Do you have a pension? Most importantly, if you don't like bonds, then you're going to be on a very bumpy ride. And that's going to be potentially pretty dangerous. So I don't know what to say to you except to tell you that um, it is very dangerous to be all stocks, but it's even more dangerous to be retired for 35 years. Well, I mean, if you only want to own stuff that goes up, I understand that that's human nature, but you're going to learn a very painful lesson at some point in your life. And it's 35 years, long time. John says, I've got a few Vanguard balance funds and also Summit Fidelity. What's your opinion on the bond portion? Oh, God. Guys, look, I'm worried that people are asking this question. Mark just sent two of them to represent that many of you are worried, just don't like bonds because bonds are paying low interest and they're very uncomfortable with this as a um, as an asset class. And you know what? You're very happy when you have an asset class that's boring like bonds when the crap hits the fan. So do I think that you should all just not invest in bonds? I mean, are you asking me this question seriously? You're asking me to go on a rant. Truly, having an asset allocation means that, you know, I know your bond positions, maybe they're not going to do, they haven't, they haven't been paying a lot right now. They're kind of boring. Stocks are going up. What if in five years, interest rates are way higher? I know your bond position will go down. You'll reinvest. You'll make money. Bonds are important. Bonds are an important component. Yeah, I mean, were you happy when you had a bond? Maybe they never did, Mark. But for those who had balanced portfolios, weren't you happy to have those bonds last March and April? I didn't hear a lot of people with balanced portfolios call in and freak out. I heard from a lot of you writing in about how much you were freaking out about your stock positions. Melissa is 51 years old. And in a long-term relationship with no kids, by the way, I just figured that at LTR. I was like, what kind of investment is that? Okay, long-term relationship. <laughs> Money with partner is separate. We plan on keeping it separate into retirement. Very good. I make $75,000 a year gross. I contribute 15% to my 401k. There's $13,000 in this 401k. I've been in the job for about a year. No match, but voluntary contribution is 7% if it's a good year for the firm. Oh, meaning that they would put in a contribution amount. All right. We don't count on them. Max out a Roth annually. Very good. 
I have $700,000 in a rollover IRA from a prior job. Hmm, good. 40000 in various high-yield savings accounts. Should I be contributing more to the health savings account? At present, my annual contribution is $1,500. I believe that once I accumulate $2,300, I can manage the investment allocations. I probably need to contribute less to the 401k in order to increase the HSA. I love HSAs. I think they're really awesome. And um, I would very much encourage you to put more money in there. I mean, yeah, I think I'd rather, I think I would rather put more money into an HSA because I think in a weird way, it's, it is a better deal long-term for someone who's not going to have health insurance and, and, you know, presuming that you don't have some fancy, awesome health insurance that will cover you, which I doubt you do since you don't have a company that matches consistently, I would put the money in. Remember, money in an HSA, when you invest it over time, it comes out tax-free. It's like a Roth for health savings, okay? I would say that that is probably... It will inure to your benefit. You got a bunch of money in your in in traditional retirement accounts. I would, I would, Mark. Mm. Mark's now giving me and uh, says, "What if the four hundred one k has a Roth option?" I guess that if the four hundred one k had a Roth option, I'd feel differently. I still like that. I think the HSA is kind of cool. We know that this is going to be an area where people are going to have to pay more and more money out of their pockets, right? And I think you can put like 35 or 3600 bucks into an HSA. So, I mean, at the very least, maybe I'd bump you up a little bit and then you can control it, but I I mean, it's pretty amazing to have this as a healthcare supplemental funding option. Yeah, if you have a Roth 401k at work, sure, I'm in. But I'm guessing that if she had a Roth, we would have known. She would have told us. But I like that you asked me that question, Mark. By the way, uh, Melissa says, Mark, the domestic man of mystery. Thanks in advance. Your podcast is my constant companion on my morning walks. Melissa, keep walking. Watch where you're going. It's a little icy here in New York. And thank you for your note. Okay. I think that's it. That's what's all we got. Mark, it all goes by so quickly. It's unbelievable to me. Uh, All right. This weekend, we have a great guest for all of you who are out there thinking about your side hustles, your little gig ideas, things that are percolating maybe because of COVID. I think this will be a great guest. It's our return of Chris Gillibo, my boyfriend. I wish. Love him to death. Uh, it's just always great to have them on the program. So tune in tomorrow for that. And if you have a financial question, don't forget, you can send it to us. Ask Jill at jillonmoney.com. You can get to us through our website, jillonmoney.com, the contact button. As always, we would like to remind you to please wash your hands, wear your masks, maintain your physical distancing, and do something nice for someone else today. Happy tax season. We'll be talking about this for another couple months. So have fun. Talk to you tomorrow.